Thanks for checking out the Southcrest Church Podcast. We are one church meeting in two locations in South Atlanta. You can find us online at southcrest.church, where you can listen to our past sermons, watch our 4G stories, and learn more about who we are. Let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God today. Amen. Hey, I think we ought to give God praise for that worship today. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, never mind these guys. They're going to keep building for a few minutes. So uh, I want to tell you, we're in this series called Fixer Upper. And uh, before we jump in, I want to welcome both of our campuses, LaGrange and Noonan. We want to welcome you if you're worshiping with us in the city of LaGrange. And if you're worshiping here at Noonan, I want to say welcome to you as well. Um, We're in the series called Fixer Upper. So we've been talking a little bit about transformation And uh, some of you said, Sean, um, this has been the worst series for me because my wife has reminded me of the job we didn't fix up this summer. And so I've been doing a lot more home improvement and I want to apologize for that in advance. Uh, But I'm glad you're here. We're talking about being transformed. We're not talking about a renewal. I mean, we are talking about renewal. We're not talking about just like a refurbished life. Like God wants to give us a totally new life. And so week one, we mentioned in Ephesians four, the idea that we can be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And the battle for our life, we said week one, begins in our mind. God wants to begin to transform our life. God doesn't just want to put a fresh coat of paint on us. God wants us to be new. Like we're supposed to be new creatures in Christ Jesus. And uh, some, listen, some of you are so ADD, you can't get past that nail gun. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> They're going to be done in just a second. You give them a big round of applause, man. I told him, I said, during the first few moments of my talk today, I want you to come out and build because I want them to hear the wall going up. And uh, so last week we did something that uh, really excited some of you. I can't figure out why, but every time I come on this stage and I break something or I blow something up or I knock something down, you guys go wild. I don't know what that says about me or it says about you. And in fact, I thought I was going to install a button here today that just had like a detonator switch. And when it went off, you guys would yell amen or yeah, go pastor or whatever. Um, and I don't know what it is about that, but there was something weird that happened last week. It wasn't weird. It was a God moment because as we identified some of the walls in our life that need to come down, what we realized is sometimes God has to bring devastation before he can bring true deliverance in our life. And we keep those walls up and we go, but God, man, don't you understand? I have every reason not to believe you. Look at my past. God, I have a reason to be prideful, man. Look how my parents raised me. I have a reason to, to walk in bitterness. And, uh, and so it's funny because some, everyone was coming up to me after the service last week and they kept saying, man, that must have been very therapeutic for you to bring down those walls. As if you literally, you were, you, were, you were kicking down people's issues like right in the face. I went, no, no, no. This week is therapeutic for me, okay? Last week, we just had to get some stuff out of the way, right? We just have to get the walls down because the transformation doesn't take shape until the walls come down. It's my favorite part of the show. How many of y'all watch Fixer Upper? Right? Many of you do, okay? And um, in the show, there's that moment where they take down all the walls and Joanne pulls out her computer and she starts showing them this design. And these people, here's what they're saying. Oh, are you serious? Like, this is what this can look like? Are you serious? And then they actually start putting up new walls. And when they do, Joanne always says this statement. Watch it. It happens about 20 minutes in every time. Oh, It's starting to take shape. Now see, last week, as great as last week was, he was just getting the stuff out. 
It was just getting the, the walls out of the way that keep us from really being transformed. But the truth is, God wants our lives to start taking shape. God wants to start building something new in us. I want to say it this way. If we want to live a transformed life, we need a new framework. Think about it. They come in and they start building new frames. They start putting new walls up. But here's the problem. A lot of times we don't understand that that's what God's attempting to do. Because I don't know about you, it seems like the moment I start taking my walls down and letting God transform me, I have this way of building up my own new walls. So I want to talk to you about what a framework is. This is a definition of a framework. It's a real or conceptual structure intended to serve as a support or guide for the building of something that expands the structure into something useful. You say, that sounds very technical. Well, I'm no engineer. I'm a preacher. But I can tell you this, when you read that definition, the whole idea of a framework is this. You've got to begin to build a new frame and a new structure so that something can be useful. And we talked about it week one. Remember, God's design for our life is better than our design. And it never was about trying to fix ourselves. It was about letting the Holy Spirit transform us from the inside out, not from the outside in, because that's religion. You see, the wrong framework, if you're not careful, will just lead you back to building walls of religion in your life. I don't know about you, like I've torn down some walls of bitterness before and I will literally within a couple of weeks, I will go back and I will build up new walls of bitterness. But here's what I'll say. Well, they're not as bitter. Like I'm not really bitter towards her anymore. I'm just really bothered by her. I mean, it's crazy. Like this week I was in line and I took my wife through a drive through to like get a shake or an ice cream on Thursday night and I was in line and this guy starts backing into my car and I do what you're supposed to do when you know someone's like six inches from your car. I just go, huh? I just want him to know I was there. Dude rolled down his window, flipped me the bird. <laughs> and I had a choice. Am I going to build an old wall <laughs> or am I going to let that wall stay down? Because what I don't want is I don't want a better bitter, bitterness wall. Well, I'm not as bitter as I used to be. No, guys, I want the whole wall down. I want a whole new framework because I'm not about just, just having this old idea of being renovated like I'm a better Christian now. I want to be a different Christian. I want Christ to live in me and through me in my life. And here's why framework's so important. The framework de determines the strength of the structure. The framework... When you build, determines the strength of the structure. I don't know about you. How many of you have ever built a new house before? Raise your hand. Both campuses, all right? Yeah, if you've ever built a new house, what would you do if when they laid the foundation, it was time to start framing it up, but you showed up on the scene and instead of having new frame and new wood, they just went to an old house and tore out all the bad wood and brought it to your house and started building a frame? You'd say, no, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I don't want refurbished wood. I want new wood. I want a new frame on this puppy. Why? Because it's got to last me 30 years. I'm going to pay for it through the nose for 30 years. I want a whole new framework. The framework determines the strength of the structure. So you go, okay, I get that. I get that. I get it. I get it. If we're going to have a new life, if we're going to live transformed, then I got to have a new framework, Sean. I get it. I, I see the visual up here. I see the wall. But let me ask you a question. If we know that's true and we know it's real, why do so many Christians still have broken lives? 
Why are we still as angry? But yet we believe in Jesus. Why is it that we'll still roll down our window and flip somebody off? (laughs) Just ask him. It's because we always want to go back and operate according to our old framework. My old self. I have an old self. You have an old self. If we are going to be different, the framework determines the structure and we have to operate off of a different framework. Let me ask you this. If, if we have a different framework, why is there so much unbelief? I personally think one of the most unbelieving times in America happens between 9.30 and noon in churches when people hear the good news about Jesus and someone gives them an opportunity to turn their life over to him and they walk out unbelieving. I think some of the greatest unbelief happens in churches all over America when the the offering basket (laughs) is passed and we say, Jesus, you can save me from my sin. I'm not going to trust you with my money. You see, we have ways of building back those walls. And if we're ever going to be different, we have to have a new framework offering in our life. See, here's why. Because without that new framework, I will always want to go back to my old self. Remember what Paul said in the first week? He said, put on the new self. You have a whole new self to put on. It's renewed in Jesus Christ. And then he said, and the the Holy Spirit now lives inside of you through Christ. Put it on. But here's what we do. We keep going back to our old self looking for an improvement. I'm going to, listen, I know Jesus has died for my sins. I know I have accepted him as my Lord and Savior, but I'm going back to my old structure and I'm trying to make it improve better. I'm trying to retrain my old self. And I think God's looking at us going, why? Why would you do that? So, so here's what we do. When we can't retrain our old self, then we go find a support group for our old self. I need to go find a group of people that can help me get over my old self. And God goes, you don't, you don't have to live that way. You have a whole new self. And I've even put my Holy Spirit inside of you so you have the potential now, the capacity and the ability to begin to live this transformed life out. But you're over here going, but I need my support group for my old self. And what we want people to do is we want people to help us overcome who we used to be. Isn't that weird? I mean, I've seen it in accountability groups before. I need an accountability partner. Why? Because I struggle with sin. Why do we get an accountability partner? We want someone to come call out our old self. (laughs) But I'm a new creature. You go, Sean, you're mad. No, I've just been drinking coffee. You see, the framework determines the strength of the structure. God wants us to have a whole new framework. Jesus didn't die and leave this earth and send the Holy Spirit so we could be just sitting around creating strategies for our struggles. Can I get an amen? He died for more than that. And the Holy Spirit gives us more than that. I don't know about you, sometimes I meet Christians, they're like on spiritual life support. They're alive, like there's a brainwave and there's a heartbeat. They're just not alive. And they're just waiting for Jesus to come back and pull the plug. At least he's alive. Yeah, but is that the life you want to live? They're like a spiritual vegetable. God says, no, 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 that's not what I came to do. 
I want to give you a whole new framework. So if you have a pen, if you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to write down this one phrase. Because I think this one phrase has the potential to change the way we think about our life. And it's the first part to us building a new framework. Jesus didn't die just so we could go to heaven. Jesus died so that heaven could come and live in us. Let me say it again. Jesus didn't die just so we could go to heaven. Jesus died so that heaven could come live in us. A whole new framework. Because I'm afraid that for some of us, we have experienced and we are, we are trusting in a gospel that's like two-thirds finished. Right? That God loves us. He sent his son Jesus. Jesus died. That's part two, right? And he came out of the grave. And we're going to come at Easter. And we're going to clap because the tomb is empty. And Jesus is alive. But we still feel dead. Jesus didn't die just so you could go to heaven. Jesus died so that heaven could come live in you. And I want to show you today, right out of the word of God, how that statement is more true than what you ever think it is. Turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 8. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Paul spends all of chapter 7 explaining his struggle with his old self. I get Paul. By the end of chapter 7, you think Paul has been smoking crack. Like, Paul, dude, why struggle? I mean, I meet people, they read Romans 7 and they're like, oh man, I'm just going to, this is the life I'm, I have. And so you know, what, you know what we do? We do the same thing that Paul would have done after chapter 7. We'd have just said, well, at least I got God's grace. Because it's all about that grace, about that grace. Got the, okay, no, no, no. Paul, he's freaking out. He's like, I can't control myself. <laughs> I want to do right. I can't do right. There's all these urges, all these urges. And then we get to Romans 8. And Paul says these words in Romans 8.1. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I don't know about you because I've heard Romans 8 a lot. That's the point where everyone in the Bible, they call that, oh, that's the no condemnation verse. Isn't it funny how we have a phrase that fits a chapter, which fits a verse? Like, that's the God's plan for you verse, Jeremiah 29. You know, God has a plan for you. And we go to Romans 8, 1, and we go, oh, that's the no condemnation verse. And I want to tell you, you're wrong. It's not. You see, when I was a freshman in college, I went to the study skills class to learn how to study for college, because in high school, they didn't teach me how. And I enrolled, and they gave me this really awesome deal. When you read a paragraph, because you're going to do lots of reading in college, before you read the paragraph, there is an emboldened deal above the paragraph called a heading, and it gives you a clue of what you're going to be reading about. So I look at Romans 8, verse 1, and then I go, what's right above that? There's a heading. It says, life through the what? Spirit. This ain't the no condemnation chapter. <laughs> it's much more than that. I think this is the new framework chapter. Because I want to ask you an honest question. I read that verse. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And here's what I heard. Hmm. Hmm. You know what that tells me? Most of us are still battling with those walls. 
That's why some of you, it was therapeutic for you when I tore down that wall because in your heart, here's what you're really saying. I know I'm not supposed to feel condemned, but I still do. I know I'm supposed to have a different life, but I don't. I know I'm supposed to operate in a different way, but I can't. And so it felt really good to have a hammer come right through your flesh and say, oh, at least God isn't mad at me. Listen, if all you think about the Christian life is that God's just no longer mad at you, you're missing it. You see, that's how a slave thinks. But a son, a son thinks totally different. A slave, slave says this, God, when are you gonna beat me next? A son says, God, when, I come, when can I come crawl up in your lap? Because you're my daddy. <laughs> totally different framework. So we read that verse and we go, oh, I'm so glad I'm not condemned anymore. God's gonna give me a strategy for my struggle and I just get to stay here in it and good thing I have God's grace. Listen, guys, the devil's been lying to you. That's not what he has for you. Look at verse two, because he blows that whole thing up and he starts creating a whole new framework. Verse two, he says, because, everyone say because. Because, how many of you have children? Raise your hand. How many of you, when you tell your child what to do, they ask you this question? Why? Why? Clean your room. Why? Jesus is coming back. Why do I need to clean my room? Don't speed. Why? Because I don't want you to get a ticket. Don't do this. Don't do that. And, and I remember like growing up, like, like, I remember when Kyle was young, we created this little fun thing as father and son. We said, because a lot, because, and he would say, because, 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 because. Paul stops in this moment and he says, I want to tell you the yes, but how of your Christian life. Yes, I don't have to feel condemned, but I want to show you how, which I think is awesome. Look what he says, because. Through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Everyone do this real quick. Pinch yourself. Okay, it'll help you stay awake. All right, pinch yourself. Pinch your neighbor if you want. That'd be cool too. Okay, (laughs) that was fun. Um, All throughout Romans 8, he talks about flesh. And we think it's flesh like this. You know what your flesh is? It's your old self. It's your old nature. It's your old sinful nature. God says, you and I can come alive in the spirit, verse two. And here's why. Because God took his own son, who is completely perfect, and Jesus came in the flesh. He became like fully, he was fully God, but he became fully man. And he died on a cross and he paid for the penalty of all sin in the flesh. And then look at verse four. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Oh, whoa, whoa, that's a whole new framework. Oh, it gets better. God's gonna frame it up for us in verse five and six. Look what he says. He says, those who live according to the flesh, that means your old nature, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. And the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. 
That word governed in some translations is the word mindset. You know what a mindset is? It's a framework. It's a way that we think about ourselves according to who we really are. Some of us have struggled since the day we gave our life to Jesus because no one ever set us down and said, God can give you a whole new framework. And instead, we've learned to create strategies for our struggles. And I want to tell you today, the Holy Spirit came to live inside you and I, not so that we could stay victims, but that we could experience victory. Listen, I'm far from perfect. I sin every day of my life, but I want to tell you, I'm experiencing more victory in my life than I am victim in my life. Why? Because Jesus is alive in me. He's alive in us. If you're a Christ follower, he he went away and he said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. He's going to live inside of you. And then he says this, look at verse nine. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone, that's verse nine, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. I wanna tell you a litmus test today. Some of you say, Sean, I have never known whether or not I'm a true follower of Christ. Here's the litmus test. Does the Holy Spirit live inside you? Or are you continually just going back to your own flesh and your own nature? You see, before I became a Christian, I could sin and never know about it. I was like, Sinfest 2016, let's go. But the day I gave my life to Christ, the Holy Spirit moved into my life. And suddenly when I would do things that didn't honor God, I had a whole new way of thinking about it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives inside me. How many of you, when you were growing up, you were watching a TV show and your parents came in and they noticed you were watching it and you flipped the channel real quick? Come on, admit it. That's what it's like. There's a whole new thing. Why? Because there's a new presence in you. And Paul says this, if you don't have the spirit of Christ, then you do not belong to him. But if in Christ, look at verse 10, But if Christ is in you, then even your body is subject to death because of sin. Talking about your natural body. The Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And then verse 11. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your bodies because of his Spirit who lives inside of you. Now, I'm I'm not a heavy thinker here, but in 11 verses, he uses the word Spirit 11 times. That must be the common denominator in our Christian life that changes everything. Because here's how I've lived a lot of my Christian life. I would have replaced the word spirit with my own human effort, my own moral code. The reason I can overcome sin is because I've trained my flesh to say no to it. (laughs) That doesn't work. (laughs) That's horrible. That's just another strategy to take care of your struggle. God says, no, you have a whole new framework. You have a whole new wall. So what I want to do over the next few moments before we close is I want to talk about the new framework God's given us. And I want us to begin to ask this question. If this is the framework God has for my life, then why don't I let him do it? Here's the first one, write it down. The first part of the framework is the cross of Jesus Christ. See, I don't know a whole lot about building, but this is called a header. 
They put these headers here. You know why? Because there's a gap. There's a gap from here to here, and they want to put a doorway in so that somewhere we're going to put a door here and somebody can enter in here, but the only way they can enter in is if all the weight that's up here gets transferred to this one header right here. You know what the cross of Christ is? It's the header over our life. God said, I know you're far away from me. I know you can't pay for the penalty of your sin. So I'm going to send my son Jesus and he's going to die on a cross and all the weight of your sin, past, present, and future is summed up in this one header, the cross of Jesus Christ. Why? So that you and I can enter in. I think that's good news. Are you guys here? I'm just wondering, like that ought to make you shout. The cross of Jesus is the header over my life. Everything I couldn't span between two gaps, God did through his son on a cross. That fires me up. Here's why. Salvation begins my transformation. Here's why I can be transformed because God put in the header. You know why else I can be transformed? Because of the word of God, the promises of God. See, here's what the promises of God is. It's like these studs in this wall. They're 18 inches apart. They stay true. And by the way, if you don't line these things up, your your whole structure's bad, right? Like you don't want me to come build a shed at your house. I just want to say that. Like you talk about some bad structure, like bad structure. The word of God It puts into our life a whole new structure and I quit living wounded and offended by everything you think about me because you're no longer the true teller of my identity. The word of God is. This is God's promises. God promised me I could have a transformed life. It doesn't matter if you think I need one or not. Oh, Sean, you don't understand. Man, my my parents didn't love me growing up. I get it, bro. You were a tough child. I'm just teasing. You were proof that sin was in the world. I'm just teasing. All right, so here's the deal. We start operating by a new structure. I don't care what the world thinks about me anymore. It no longer matters what my past says about me. God's already put the header in place. And the truth is, I start building my life. And you know what the word of God becomes? It becomes the proof of my new identity. Because here's the truth. There's no roof And there is no plaster and there is no paint. There's no finishing touch on my life without that structure. Let me say it to you this way. Quit trying to live your life by your feelings. Every time I counsel someone, they sit down. And by the way, I'm a horrible counselor. But they sit down and they say, I just feel like... Really? Bro, quit eating Mexican food the day before you come in and see me and you'll feel a lot better. Quit living by your feelings. This is your new identity. This is who God says I am. He has framed up my life with the word of God and it no longer matters what happened to me. He gave me a whole new framework and his Bible, his word is full of promises over and over and over again. He's gonna say, would you just let me tell you what your framework is? Oh man. Oh. That'll change how you read your Bible. I mean, we, we pick up Jesus calling and we just kind of 
put it behind her. I need a little Jesus calling today. Get me through till next week's sermon. Bro, how about letting God build a whole frame? Way past your feelings. God says the word of God is the framework. It's the proof of our new identity. It's, it's the fact that we can take down those old walls and we begin to replace it with new walls. See, we can take down unbelief and we replace it with faith. We can take down pride and we start placing it with humility. And then we, we take down this whole idea of bitterness. And let me just say this. There were so many of you. That was the one that really rocked your world. And here's what's weird about that. It's proof of what we're talking about, that you still feel condemned by your old self. Because the moment I start talking about bitterness, here's what someone says to me. I heard this like six times after the service. Bro, you totally called me out in that. Well, here's why you feel called out. Because you've never felt called in. you got a whole new framework. It doesn't matter what I think about you. It matters what God's already said about you. It's right here. 66 chapters worth. So much better than finding my identity on Facebook. The cross is the header. The word of God is the framing of my new identity. And then the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit becomes the person that actually creates the transformation. You see, I can build all this structure all day long. I can put all the headers and it will stay just like this. And you'll walk by it and you'll go, have you ever seen a half-built house? You walk by it and you go, oh man, they just left it there. That's a lot. This is a lot, a lot like our lives spiritually. We, just, we, we know these things are true. We want them to be true. And so we're hanging on. We're hanging on to Jesus because he's going to come back and get us. And until then, we just hope we don't ruin it. But we have no power to live it out. Jesus was about to leave the earth and he looked at his followers in John 14. By the way, if you want to read more about the Holy Spirit, go to John 14 and John 16. Jesus talked all about it. He says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Did you hear what Jesus just said? Jesus said, I gotta go away, boys. But when I go away, there's gonna be one that's gonna come and he's here to help you and he's gonna walk with you. Let me tell you why I know that's true. Number one, he's personal. What does that mean he's personal? If he's personal, it means he's a person. He's not a force. He's not a Jedi mind trick. <laughs> God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And what's funny is in most churches, we're real comfortable if people start talking about the first one, like God the Father. But then we start talking about Jesus and it gets a little, oh my gosh. And then suddenly we start talking about the Holy Spirit and people are like, <gasps> you're gonna jump a pew and hang from a chandelier. <laughs> no, man. Jesus said he's personal. You, listen to the words Jesus used about the Holy Spirit. He called him comforter, helper, counselor, and advocate. If you're a follower of Christ, that's who's living inside you. Listen, this could end some really bad friendships today. Because instead of calling your friend and going, I just need a counselor, I just need a helper, I need an advocate. Will you advocate? Listen, you got all the advocation in you. And he's sitting there going, hey, whoa, hey, 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 whoa, whoa, hey, hey. 
It's kind of like that Geico commercial where they're calling out Marco Polo. And he's like, Marco Polo. Holy Spirit's like, hey, bro, I'm counselor. How many of you need counseling in your life? I do. Proof today. Sean needs counseling, right? I got the Holy Spirit. He's personal. The word advocate is the word parakletos, and it means one who walks beside you. Man, I am never alone. I got one who walks beside me. So the question is this, if he's meant to live inside you, shouldn't you guys become friends? Like really good friends? You say, Sean, that's weird. What's happening to you? I'm becoming friends with the one who's lived inside of me since I was 17. And it's changing how I view my life and it's changing my life. You go, I don't like that. Well, listen, you don't want me living by my old flesh. I'm a horrible religious person. But I read in God's word, he said, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. He's personal. You know what else he is? He's powerful. He says these words. He calls him a teacher, a revealer of truth, a guide, and an intercessor. Do you know the Holy Spirit prays for you if you're a follower of Christ? It says in Romans 8, 26, he prays for you with groans that words cannot express. You got one who's praying for you right now. Not only should you guys become friends, but why would you not want all of him all the time? That's where I'm kind of coming to in my life. God, if this is what you have for me, and this is how you want to change me and transform me, then I want to be empowered in this new identity, and I've come to the place that I want more of you. In fact, I don't just want more of you. I want all of you all the time. So let me ask you a very deep theological question. If that's true, this is a trivia question. Can anyone tell me the version of the Bible that Peter preached out of at Pentecost? Was it the King James Version, the ESV, the NLT, because that's kind of like the hipster version? Someone tell me, what translation of the Bible did Peter preach out of? He didn't. He didn't have a Bible. <gasps> no Bible? No Bible study? No, he didn't even have a Beth Moore study. He actually let all the Holy Spirit have all of him and then he stood up and opened his mouth and started telling people about Jesus. And all heaven broke loose. Because <laughs> I just, I, listen, I, I think it's funny. Like sometimes people go, Sean, well, that's just not practical. Like you need to sit down and have a systematic way of knowing every, every uh, listen, Here's why we want practical, because we want natural, and natural is powerless. <laughs> you try to tame God and all he is, God the Father, God the Son, Holy Spirit, and try to put him in your box and see if that's practical. <laughs> it ain't. And I'm okay with that. I just told God, just blow up the box. That's okay. Some of you go, oh my gosh, man. Pray for Pastor Sean. See, here's what happens. Transformation takes shape when we begin believing God's word. It's the framework of our life. And then we begin to operate in the spirit. Because this is how most of our lives look. You see this generator right here? It holds about two gallons of gas. If the power goes out at your house, these are good to have. You can plug your refrigerator right in and all that food you bought, 
All those Twinkies, which you don't have to refrigerate, by the way. They will keep your food alive as long as this generator's running. And so here's what we do. Here's what we look like trying to live our lives with God the Father and God the Son, but never operating in the Spirit. We're like this. We're like, hey, man, I'm going to church today. You want to come with me? Hey, man, I'm reading my Bible. I'm going to read it three times this week. Oh, man. Woo, look at me. Man, man, I wish Pastor Sean would preach more practical because I could go out there and I could create more strategies for my struggles. Okay, so we're here and we're tired and... We're like, and here's what we say. Well, at least I'm not condemned by God. At least God loves me the way I am. Listen, this isn't what Jesus saved you for. At best, this is what religion does for you. Why would I do that? when all of the power grid of all the energy resources in Coweta County and Troop County and South Atlanta in Georgia, the whole grid of the United States is right over here to power this structure. Here's the difference. That's what we do. Holy Spirit, I know you're there. I'm just, I just need a little flicker today. Feeling bad about myself. Oh. 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 Now here, here's the problem. You're still trying to live your life by this. So for those of you that love it when I kick something. All of God. All the time. It's right there. You know what Paul said? Paul said it to the Ephesians in 5. Ephesians 5. In fact, he starts Ephesians 5.1 by making this atrocious statement. He says, therefore, be imitators of God. Try to pull that off on a Tuesday. <clears throat> and then later in the chapter, he, he gets real audacious. He says, love your wife like Jesus loved the church. <sighs> Wives, submit to your husbands. <clears throat> but then in verse 18, he says these words. He says... Be filled with the Holy Spirit. All of God, all the time. Shouldn't you get to know the person that's wired in you? Shouldn't you quit trying to create strategies for your struggles and start saying, God, I surrender to you all that you are? Let's pray together. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. Remember, you can find more sermons just like this one on our website at southcrest.church. If you have any questions about our church, email us at hello at southcrest.tv. We'll see you next time.